0: All right, you tell me where we're turning tonight. Philippians. Philippians chapter 2. Yes, yes, wonderful. That's great. Turn to Philippians chapter 2 with me. A little different tonight. I, want to talk to, I just want to talk to you about something tonight. Well, that's not different. I do that all the time. I can't believe I brought gum up there. I want to talk tonight about enjoying God. I want to talk about enjoying God. I hope that don't sound strange to you. That's what you were created to do. Your ultimate purpose in life is to enjoy God. And I want, to look at, I want you to look at something with me. It's a wonderful passage. It's just one verse, and this is the same verse is in the New Testament twice. And I want us to see something in this verse tonight. Philippians chapter 2, verse 1, and he says this. Therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ. Do y'all use the word consolation a lot? Consolation prize. No, the, the Greek word there is paraclete, encouragement. So what does the Bible tell me Jesus does for me? If there's any encouragement in Jesus, if there's any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy. I want you to look at the phrase there, fellowship of the Spirit. Do you believe you can fellowship with the Holy Spirit? What the Bible say right there. And obviously in the rest of that verse, you can see if you'll learn how to fellowship with God or fellowship with the Holy Spirit, what will happen to you? You'll be encouraged by Christ. And His love will comfort you, and you'll have the affection of Jesus. We're going to talk about the fellow or enjoying God. Is it possible for a human being to enjoy God? That's what we're going to look at tonight. Now, I don't know if you're familiar with this or not. There's a a phrase, a saying. It's called the Westminster Short Catechism, and it's just one sentence that sums up the purpose of humanity. Uh, many of your churches say it every morning before they start their service, Sunday mornings, and it goes like this. It's this the Westminster Short Catechism. Just one, the main sentence side of it says this. The chief aim of man, the purpose of man, is to glorify God by enjoying Him forever. That, that was the ultimate, put all of human existence in one sentence. Our purpose is to glorify God by enjoying Him. Actually, it says and enjoy him forever, but you glorify him by enjoying him. Well, that's a strange thing to some people's ears. You talk about enjoying God because people think about obeying him, serving him, honoring him. What about enjoying him? righty, <clears throat> That's our ultimate created purpose. That word in Philippians 2, verse 1, where it says, if there's any fellowship of the spirit, see the word fellowship right there? It's the Greek word koinonia. Has anybody ever heard that? There are churches named Koinonia. Well, Koinonia is the word for fellowship. Uh, uh, let me get, I want you to understand this. It's the word for socialize. You believe you can socialize with God? Somebody tell me the modern word that folks a lot younger than me use now hanging out. Hanging out. Uh, I, I'm, not, I'm not being trite. I just, you can hang out with the Holy Spirit. You can hang out with God. Well, let me ask you, if I say to you, hey, let's go hang out and eat together. What's that for? It's so I can get money out of you. <laughs> it's so you can fuss at me. Now, if, we, if we're going to go hang out and eat together, what are we going to do? We're going to enjoy each other. We're just going to go have a good time. Nobody gets any money out of it. Nobody learns anything probably, especially if you go with me. We're just going to enjoy each other. That's called hanging out, socializing, or fellowship. Does not the Bible say right here, if there be any fellowship of the Holy Spirit? Then you you can fellowship with God the same way you can with a friend. You can enjoy it. Matter of fact, I love John 15, where the Bible says this no longer do I call you servants, I have called you friends. Because a servant doesn't know what his master is doing. I've told you everything I know. And you didn't choose me, but I chose you. Demons, why did Jesus come to this earth? He said, Well, to save us from our sins. Yes. Jesus came to this earth to reveal the Father, to show us what God is like. That's why John chapter 14, verse 7 says this, If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And Thomas said to him, Lord, show us the Father and it'll be sufficient. He said, Have I been with you so long and you don't know me? And he said, I and my Father are one. Jesus came to this earth to show us what God is like, what the creator of the universe is like. All right, let me show you something Jesus showed us. Turn with me to Luke chapter 15. He came to show us what God is like and I'm going to show you what God is like in Luke chapter 15. I'm going to to put something before you here and I want you to see if you agree with me. Something that the scripture teaches here. Luke chapter 15. Now, is Jesus God in the flesh? Is he God stepped down to earth? Did the word become a man and walk among us? He is Almighty God. Everything was created by Him and for Him, and He came to reveal the Father. Watch God. Luke 15 1. All the tax collectors and sinners drew near to Him to hear Him, and the Pharisees and scribes, the ministers complained, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. Another translation says, This man eats with and enjoys sinners. There's the revelation of God right there. He wasn't fussing at Him, He wasn't preaching at Him. What was He doing? He was enjoying them, and they were enjoying him. This is the revelation of the Father, and the preachers got upset because they would taught people to serve God. They taught people to obey God. They taught people to give to God, but they never taught the people how to enjoy God. We're not teaching people now in our churches how to enjoy God, and they're just so bothered by that. Jesus, because of them being bothered by the fact that God would enjoy people and people could enjoy God, he says, let me tell you some stories to help you understand this. And he said, a man has a sheep, a hundred sheep, loses one. He goes and finds him. He cuts his throat so he'll never run again. Is that what it says? (laughs) Kicks a fire out of him. Puts him on his shoulders and celebrates because he's so glad that now they're together again. That's not about sheep. That's about God wanting to be together with people. He tells the coin. And then I want you to watch the great parable. I want you to pick out one thing in this. Now remember, Jesus is the revelation of God. He's showing us what God is like. And you're familiar in Luke chapter 15, the story of the prodigal son. Actually, I've renamed it the story of the goofy brother, uh, the religious goofy brother. You know the story. Man had two sons. One ran away and raised hell, acted so rough, spent all the father's money on hookers. He came back, humbled himself, and the father was so excited. He gave him everything he had, and he did what? He killed the fatted calf, and they threw a celebration and a party And at that party, they enjoyed each other. Am I I clear so far? I just got an elder brother who represents who? Ministers and religion. And they are so mad because the father is enjoying this boy. And they're in there celebrating while I'm busy doing what? Serving you and keeping your rules. Said he was furious. And the father came out and pleaded with him to do what? Would you break with what you call serving me and coming here and spend time with me? Here's the revelation. You know that. You know this story. Here's the revelation. Are you ready? Which is more important to God? To serve Him or to enjoy Him? What does Luke chapter 15 teach us? I mean, it's obvious that the elder brother was the religious man, the perfect preacher who said, I've never broken your rules. God didn't argue with him. He said, I've served you. He didn't argue with that. What would he not do though? He pleaded with him. What would he not do? He would not go in and spend time with the father. He wouldn't enjoy him. What's the younger boy doing? How many of you know that that older boy was a better boy than that younger boy? I'm trying to be the prodigal. Can can I get a witness? What would the prodigal son do that the the religious brother wouldn't do? He would spend time with the father and they would enjoy each other. They were fellowshipping with one another. Uh, Whatever you want to call it. How many times have I seen this through the years as a pastor with people? I'm going to give you one example. This is some years back. I was talking with a lady one day. She was in her 50s, beautiful lady, very wealthy. And we got to talking and she was discouraged. And she said, we got married at 18 years old. And she said, we were so poor, both of us, no education, no poor families. We had nothing. And she said, we were so poor starting out. We didn't even have a bed. We slept. We had a flat over a garage and said, only thing we had, we had a mattress laying on the floor. That was our bed. Said, we didn't have nothing. She said, we were so poor we couldn't pay attention. And uh, she said, but we were so happy. She said, we had the best time together. We laughed together. We did things together. We couldn't afford to go play golf and stuff like that. So we just enjoyed each other. She had the best time. She said, it was so much fun when we were first starting out. And then she got quiet for a minute, and then tears ran down her face, and she said, you know how wealthy we are now? And they're multimillionaires. Beautiful estate. And uh, she said, he started that business. It grew and said, I never see him now. He works to provide, but we never get to enjoy each other anymore. I've I've heard that over and over and over through the years in ministry. Uh, I didn't get married so my wife could wash my camouflage underwear although that's part of the deal. And she didn't marry me so I could pay the bills, although that's part of the deal. We got married to enjoy each other. Do you really think God created me to work for Him? Maybe think He got ripped off. God didn't create you to work for Him. He created you to enjoy Him. That's what you could do for all of eternity. I mean, this should be be so, so obvious in this passage right here. You can see this clearly. Now, I want to say this again you were created to enjoy God and for him to enjoy you you say I I don't know about that brother Brian I you know I'm, I'm out of that group where everybody serves the Lord that's great I do that too let's go all the way back we won't look it up you'll remember it let's go all the way back God created man and woman put them in the garden and what'd they do they enjoyed the garden they tended it but every day in the cool of the day God would step down into the garden and they would enjoy they would walk together and talk together and do what He wasn't giving them orders. He'd already done that. What was he doing? They were just visiting with each other. And they were just enjoying one another. The purpose of creation was not so that we could serve him. To be honest with you, I don't mean to hurt your feelings. He's got one angel who could do more in a few seconds than you can in a lifetime. He really did. If I serve him, it's just because he lets me and laughs. I really was created not to serve him, although I do, and I believe in that. You know that. I was created to have a relationship with him as a father and a friend to get to know and get to enjoy him. Now, I want to show you the great contrast and I'm going to show you I'm going to show how you can tell people who know the difference. Turn with me to Luke chapter 10 to the great contrast between enjoying God and serving God. You're just a few pages to the left there. A lot of people put a psychological spin on this passage. Knock it off and just read it. Luke 10, 38. Watch this. It happened, Luke 10 38, as Jesus went to a certain village, a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. She had a sister called Mary. Do you remember there were three siblings, Martha, Mary, and Lazarus. And for some reason, Jesus loved their home. Anytime in scriptures you see him get near that place, he'd go to their house and he would eat there with them and they'd entertain him. And the two girls, let me ask you a question before we look at this. Tell me something about these two girls. If you know this, did they both love Jesus? Did they both believe in Jesus? Were they both followers of Jesus? That's where it ended, right there. Verse 39, she had a sister called Mary who sat at Jesus' feet and listened to him speak. You believe you can sit at Jesus' feet and listen to him speak? Do you believe we can hear God speak today? Do you believe my sheep hear my voice? What was, what was, she, what was her directive of, what was she wanting to do? She wanted to enjoy God. She wanted to sit there and talk to him. She wanted to fellowship with God or with Jesus. Got it? All right. Her sister, verse 40, Martha was distracted with much what? Serving. So she wanted to serve God and she was serving him. She was probably cooking dinner or, you know, getting the guest room ready or I don't know, washing his tunic. I don't know what she was doing, but she was busy serving the Lord. Can you see the difference in these two girls? One was focused on serving God. One was focused on enjoying God and spending time with him. And uh, you say, well, what's wrong with serving the Lord? Hang on, just hang on a minute. Don't get ahead of me here. Martha was distracted with much serving and she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her to help me. So that lets you know Martha is also a Baptist radio preacher who wants everybody to serve the Lord. Got it? I shouldn't have said that, but I did. All right, verse 21. Okay, so, so all right, verse 41. Jesus said to Mary, get off your butt and help her. Remember, Jesus is the revelation of God. This is the word of God. I want you to watch what he said. He said, Martha, now he wasn't fussing. You are worried and troubled about many things. I want you to watch these words. One thing is important. One thing is needed. And Mary has chosen the good thing which is not going to be taken away from her. One serves him. One spends time listening to him and enjoying him. And Jesus said, this is the one that's important right here. And he said, I'm not about to make her get up and go do something for me if I can get her to sit here and listen to me. Now, this sort of dumps our religious training upside down, but this is the voice of Jesus right here. Now, let me point something out to you. I can always tell people that put a lot of emphasis on serving the Lord. I'm not mocking it. I I wish all of you'd serve in the nursery, please. And the difference between people that just walk with God. Let me show you the difference in this passage. Verse 41, Martha, you are worried and troubled. If you don't spend time and get to know Jesus personally, you're going to be a worried, troubled, bothered, upset person in this generation. It was Mary troubled? Not in the least. All she could hear was the voice of Jesus. And uh, look at him in verse 40. She was distracted. She said, Lord, do you not care? If you don't get to listen to God, you're going to wonder if he cares about you. Where is he in my life? Why is he not taking care of this stuff? And number three, what's the next thing she did? You're going to start criticizing people like she did. You're going to start finding fault with people. Listen, religious people who serve more than other people do just look down their noses. It's a shame that you don't work like I do. I'm over it. She became critical. You ever heard of burnout? This is where it came from right here. She's just She served the Lord. I meet believers all the time, and they're so mad because nobody else, will, they don't love God like I do. I said, you start to sound like Elijah on steroids, doc. You're going to get critical of people. You're going to have this old crabby, complaining spirit. God have mercy. And uh, you just, you're going to miss the blessing of Now, tell me what Mary was like. She was at perfect peace. And then I know some of you sitting here saying, yep, yeah, but surely she got up and fixed the dessert. Surely she did something. Relax a little bit, Doc. We miss this thing. My beloved brother, Paul, who wrote half the New Testament, I want you to listen to what he said in Philippians 3. I quit my job as a preacher so I could get to know God personally. Philippians chapter 3, he said the thing, he was talking about his religion. He said, I was promoted. I worked hard. I got to the top of the religious ladder. I was the big dog preacher in town. He said, I quit so I could get to know God personally. That's not just in there. Now, please don't quit what you're doing. I'm not going to quit what I'm doing. But why is that in the Bible? What's the message? The things that were so important to me at one time, I've changed. That I might know him personally and enjoy the fellowship. I quit writing so many books so I could get to know God personally. Is exactly what he said. Wonderful. All right, now let me just throw this in here. You know I talk about the difference between religion and relationship. Religion centers around rules, religious activity, and serving. Without enjoying, then you, we got it backwards. All serving should flow out of enjoying. It, it should come out of it. Uh, and the problem, if you serve the Lord and obey Him and do right and go to church, but you don't enjoy Him, let me show what's going to happen to you. Turn with me to John chapter fifteen, where Jesus talked about serving without enjoying. John fifteen is this wonderful. Once in a while, I talk about this. People say, well, how will anything ever get done if all you want to do is sit with God? Well, he's fixing to show you here. All right, this is a parable, but he's talking about life. And I'm going to let you pick out what he means here. John chapter 15. You got, this is this great passage. By the way, this is John 14, 15, 16, and 17 are the last thing Jesus said before we went back to heaven. And he's talking, teaching us how to live. John 15, he said this. I am the true vine. My father is the vine dresser. He's the manager of the vineyard. And every branch that doesn't bear fruit, he takes away. All right, so what does he say? Here's the here's picture of mine your relationship. My father's running the farm. I'm the vine that comes out of the ground. You're the branch. Got that picture? In other words, I got to connect to Jesus. All right, he said this. You're clean. Verse four. Watch this word. Abide in me and I in you. Let's just freeze right there. We better define that word "abide," hadn't we? Because everything hinges on whether I abide. Does "abide" mean to be a Christian? No. You can be married and not have a relationship. You can be married and not talking to each other. What does "abide" mean? Stay connected or fellowship with me. You got to enjoy me. You got to stay connected to me. You understand the picture, don't you? Here's the vine. I got I grow grapes. Here's the vine. Here's the branch. Where do the grapes show up? On the vine or on the branches? Y'all know this. They're on the branches. Don't pick no grapes off the vine. But the vine stays connected to the branch. What happens between the vine and the branch that causes the fruit to show up? What happens? Something flows out of the vine into the branch. What's it called? Give me the common name. Sap. You can go to NC State and find the fancy name sap. If that sap don't flow out of that vine, that branch don't bear no fruit. He said, if you don't abide in me, you don't bear no fruit. What is the sap that flows from Jesus Christ into me that causes good things to happen? It's the Holy Spirit of God. As I connect with Jesus on a regular basis, something flows from him into me. And you can, you can do false fruit by working hard, but you can going to look like Martha. you can going to be tarred. And let me make an announcement. I'm an expert at this stuff. I know the difference between real fruit and plastic fruit. They look just alike, but you bite that plastic fruit and see what you get. Verse 5. Verse 4. Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself. Verse 5. I'm the vine, you're the branches. He who stays connected to me, fellowships with me, enjoys me, and I in him, watch this, bears much fruit. People say, well, if all you focus on is enjoying God, how are you ever going to get anything accomplished? What does the Bible say right there? You get to know Jesus personally, and you walk with him, and you enjoy him, the, the ministry, the fruit will be there. It's just automatic. Look with me in verse 6. If anyone does not abide in me, he's cast out as a branch, and it's what? He starts to die. Doings. it's not about getting saved. You have to have a continual touch from God. And if you don't stay connected to him and you don't abide in him and you don't enjoy God, your relationship's going to dry up and you're going to dry up. Tell me what you have to do to kill a marriage. I've seen this over and over and over. What do you have to do to kill a marriage? Not one thing. You kill a marriage the same way you kill a house plant. How's that? Just quit watering it. You don't kill stuff by doing something. Stuff dies because we don't do something. The spirit and the life of Jesus don't, it's not because I steal something, it's because I don't enjoy God. And don't spend time with him. This is a great picture of how do we do that. Now, i don't ask you a question. I'm going to ask you a question here. Uh, I, I'm convinced that we were not made to be religious. And you're not going to change my mind either. I know too much now. I'm convinced we were made to be sons and daughters of the living God. In fellowship with Jesus, filled with the Holy Spirit, and enjoying this life of Jesus. See, in these difficult days, he is bigger than these difficult days. All right. People have gone crazy in Washington. I still got a great marriage. It can be done. Yeah. All right. How do you know if you're enjoying God? Don't take my word for it. Let's look it up. Turn me to 1 John chapter one. Here's how you know if you're enjoying God. Well, obviously you've got a ministerial collar on or you've got a bunch of degrees and you so say, you're picking on preachers tonight. Bingo. I really like preachers. I mean, I'm one of them. But dear ones, we have made this thing that is so beautiful and so simple, so complicated and so goofy. I want you to look at me in 1 John chapter 1. I love this right here. I love all of it. All right, verse 3, 1 John 3. That which we have seen and heard, we declare to you. What he's seeing here. If you want to read the first two verses, he said, we've experienced God. God walked on this earth and we saw him and we've heard him. Matter of fact, he said, he said, we touched him. He said, we've been walking around with God. And we've been eating with him. And we've been spending time with him. And we've seen him and we've heard him. Verse 3, what we've seen and heard, we declare to you that you also may quit cussing and go to church and give money. Know that you may do what? Have fellowship. So you can enjoy it. So you can get in union with him. With, the, and, uh, with us, watch this, and truly our, what our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus. You know what He said? I've been enjoying God. He talks to me. We communicate with each other. We walk together. And now I'm writing this book and I'm telling you, so you can start doing it. He wants everybody to enjoy what he's enjoying. Well, what's he enjoying? He said, we're enjoying God. He didn't say we're serving Him. He didn't say we've quit dipping snuff. He said, we have fellowship with God. We've experienced God. We've, en- we've enjoyed spending time with God. He said, now I want you to do it. Now, here's the test in verse 4. These things we write to you that your joy may be full. Dear ones, you, uh, what's the test of people who enjoy God? They have joy. Is this hard or what? The Bible's the easiest book in the world to understand. You really have to go to school a long time to complicate it. Easiest book in the world to understand. What did he say right there? Matter of fact, he said, these things we write, why is the Bible written? The Bible's written not to ruin your life and take all the fun out of it. The Bible is written to bring the joy of God into your life and bring you into fellowship with the Father. And so you can enjoy him and he can be real to you. And and, uh, I'm I'm, I'm working on a song. You know, I write songs. Y'all knew that. Thank God you ain't heard none of them. I'm working on one that goes like this. I come to the garden alone. While the dew is still on the roses and the voice I hear falling on my ear, the son of God talks to me. He walks with me and he talks to me and he tells me the neatest things and the joy we share while we, tear. I don't know who wrote that song, but whoever they did, they knew God and they knew why they were put on this earth was to enjoy God. And that, that's the whole, it's just, it's just wonderful. That's how you know you're enjoying him. All right, let me ask you a question. Jim anybody here been on a date? Must've been bad. I, when I first started dating Katie 40-some years ago, I was crazy about it. I had the best time with her. I still do. Let me make an announcement. You should enjoy going on a date. Never mind. Just forget that. Just never mind. I've had people been on dates and came back, rolled their eyes, and said it was awful, and I thought, I bet you won't go again, will you? <laughs> never mind. Just forget that. Never mind. Let's talk about how to do it. How do I socialize with God? Uh, how do I, how do I, I, listen, pick your word. How do I fellowship with God? How do I socialize with God? If you're young, how do you hang out? I hope that doesn't, I hope you don't think I'm being sacrilegious. That all means the same thing. Spend time with him and enjoy him. How do I do that? All right, are you ready? I, by the way, if you were born, you need to be doing this. You know what's the funniest thing in the world to me? Preachers who don't walk with God. Christians who don't get to enjoy God, we have really missed something here. We've, we've missed the main thing because Jesus said one thing is important. Choose the main thing. Right, i come up with another saying. I'm good for these sayings. The main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. I really didn't come up with that. I'm going to give you four or five things you have to do to enjoy God spend in fellowship with Him. Number one, you have to obey Him. I get one amen out of that. You have to obey. But listen to me. It's not hard. You, you say, what do you mean you have to obey? Read verse 7 right there in 1 John 1. If we walk in the light or live in the light as he is in the light, what does that mean? I have to live a certain lifestyle. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we will have what? fellowship. Now, a lot of people quote this verse and they say it's talking about between me and you as people. No, it's not. In the context of this passage, it's talking about what he say above it. You can have fellowship with God. And it says, your blood can't cleanse me from sin. It said, if we walk in the light, if we'll live a certain way, obey him, as he is in the light, we will have fellowship with God. We'll hear his voice. He'll be real to us. And the blood of Jesus will take the shame and the pain and the garbage away. Do you know the price he paid to get to enjoy you? The price he paid to get to enjoy you. Dear, what's eternity all about? Why in the world would he create people? How many of you know people are a headache to him? No. How many of you knew he knew the end before he said, let there be light? The Bible said in Psalm 139, he knew every word you ever say before your mom ever met your daddy. He knew it all. Created us anyway, hoping for what? If I just had somebody do my work for me. If I just had somebody that would talk to me and spend time with me. Those you know, angels can do the stuff. We were created to enjoy Him. How many of you had your kids to work for you? I got bad news for you, dude. I love Psalm 100. I've told you this, before. I think, Psalm 100. Know that the Lord, He is God. It is He who made us. And I wrote out there, why? And He asked me, why'd you make your children? I said, I needed help around the farm. College alone cost me $300,000 for three kids. How many of you think I've got 300 grand labor out of them? <laughs> I had my kids to love them, enjoy them, and be good to them, and have a relationship with them. Same reason he had his kids. This is the, this is the, this is the elephant in the room of the universe and of the church. We were not created to run a religious organization. I think we bore him with our religious stuff. We were created to walk with him and talk with him and to know him personally. Uh, all right, you have to obey him. Now, can you see clearly in 1 John 1:7 that if you don't walk in the light, he won't talk to you. We walk in the light as he is in the light. We'll have fellowship. We can enjoy one another. Uh, but now listen to me. It's not hard. Walking in the light's not hard. you want to hear it? Here it is. I'll give you the whole list. Don't have another God. Don't cuss him. Worship him. Be nice to your mom and daddy. Don't kill nobody. Don't steal nothing. Don't steal their old lady or their old man. Don't stab anybody in the back. And quit sitting around wishing you had somebody else's stuff. That's it. That's all ten of them. Doc, that's the top ten right there. Now, I know religion's written in there, thou shalt not tattoo, thou shalt not long hair, thou shalt yada, 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 stick it in your ear. Let God write his own list. There's not but 10, doc. And Jesus said, I see y'all struggling with that. Let me reduce it down to two. You just love God and love people. I'm happy. Please don't tell me you think that means you can steal somebody's old lady. You don't love people. You can steal their old lady if you love them. We're all messed up on that in this land. It's not hard to walk with God. I was born again creating His image. Sure I want to. Let me help you understand this. Now, I've been married 48 years, dating, been together 42 years, almost 40 years coming up. We have the best marriage. We thoroughly enjoy each other. I mean, we enjoy being together. But listen to me. There are rules. There, she's got these rules. Yep. I can't date nobody else. If she caught me lying saying I was at a meeting in church and she caught me at Hallie Huzzy's house one night somewhere and I was supposed to have been in a meeting. Listen to me, she wouldn't cut me, she wouldn't stab me, but she'd be done talking to me. We would still be married, but our fellowship would be shot. Probably Jesus got back. Okay, you got me? I, I can't date. That's just one of the rules. Let me make an announcement. It's terrible. It's terrible. I can't date nobody else. It's terrible. Hogwash. It's worth it. We've got a few rules in our marriage. I have to show up once in a while. Where did this stuff come from that following Jesus is so hard? Being religious will kill you. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. I really, to the point in my life, I don't want to kill nobody now anyway. I don't need to steal your truck. I got moaning. I sure don't want your old lady. I promise you that. I'm, I'm sorry, I'd be, you know, I don't want your old man either. You know how it is today. <laughs> Gosh, i Now, I'm being cute, but dear ones, you have to walk in the light, but it's not that hard. It's worth it. I have figured out he is good. And if my father tells me we don't need to do that, I'm thankful I found out. I'm, I'm over this lie that he's a thief. And uh, you just have to obey him, number one. Number two, you have to pay attention to him. You have to pay attention to him. Can I make an announcement here? Relationship requires time. You just you have to pour time into a relationship. I've had friend. I had a friend visited me Sunday. hadn't seen him in years. If ever there, I mean, we are twin sons of different mothers. I love that boy. He, he's my buddy Steve. We're just such dear friends. We used to live together 20 years ago. Well, not together. We lived in the same town 20 years ago, and we are twins. We had the best time. We would run together, have the best time. I hadn't seen him in years. Well, I still love him dearly, but. Because of the separation and not seeing each other, we don't have the relationship we used to have. We didn't start hating each other. We didn't offend each other, I don't think. We just, we're not together anymore, therefore we don't have the relationship we used to have. Dear ones, relationships take time. Am I over your head here? How many times have I been in marriage counseling? There wasn't a thing wrong with that marriage except you quit doing what got you into it. And you quit watering it. You quit spending time together. Everything got so serious. You were always discussing business. You never just laughed together. You never just did anything fun together anymore. Marriages die because you don't water them. Our relationship with God requires time. You got to give Him time. Let me uh, tell you what the Bible teaches about this. first verse i ever memorized in the Bible, I'm just right as soon as I got saved. Mark 135. Jesus got up a long time before daylight, went out to a quiet place, and there He prayed. Do you think Jesus had to go pray to get his sins forgiven? (laughs) He never sinned. So why did he have to pray? Somebody take a wild guess. He just went out there to enjoy the Father. He just went out there to enjoy God. And they just enjoyed each other. And and, uh, he quit right in the middle of a meeting to just go visit with God. You you have to give him attention also. Um, I I told you about Genesis chapter 2 where God created man, put him in the garden. In the cool of the day, he'd step down and they'd all walk together and they'd enjoy each other. What happened in Genesis 3, though? They got deceived and they sinned. They quit walking in the light. This is what the Bible said in Genesis 3. And in the cool of the day, God stepped down to the garden and Adam, Adam wouldn't come. Adam didn't come to meet him there. He hid in the bushes rather than going to see God. And what did the Father say in that next verse? Where are you? Can you tell that God was expecting him to come meet him there? There was God Almighty. The whole Bible is God Almighty saying, where are you? The history of humanity is God trying to reach back to man and bring him back into fellowship. Where are you? Uh, when Adam quit meeting with God, it was because junk got in the way. Uh, do you remember a guy named Moses? What's the, what do you remember about the Bible saying about Moses? Uh, for instance, in... Uh, well, let me tell you what I learned here. Moses was, was uh, minding his own manners. He was a good guy. He was Jewish. Went to Sabbath, yada yada, all that. And one day he was tending some sheep, and a bush was on fire. You will remember the bush? A bush is on fire, which that happened a lot back then in the, in the desert, you know, conflagrations happened. But it didn't burn. So he said, "I will turn aside from what I'm doing, and I will go over and pay attention to this." I want you to listen next verse. And when God saw that Moses turned aside to look, God spoke to him the moment he turned aside from what he was doing to pay attention to what God was doing, that's when God started talking to him. And listen to what the Bible said about Moses after that. Moses was a man who walked with God. Does that mean he walks and I walk beside him? No, because he's spirit. He don't walk. What does it mean, walked with God? It means they just had an ongoing, personal, enjoyable relationship with each other. You you can walk with God. There's a guy named Enoch. The Bible said about Enoch in in Hebrews 11, said Enoch walked with God, And he was no more. Gotta be careful. (laughs) Talk about not coming home for dinner. Enoch just walked with God. Listen, the Bible never said that Enoch did anything great. Uh, You know, he was a prophet, he didn't do anything great. It just said he walked with God. In our minds today, it's all about what can I do for the Lord? My wife, a few times, I've said to her, would you just sit down and talk to me? Would you come sit down, baby? Well, I've got to get these clothes folded. That, yes, yes. I know the house would look like a pigsty if I ran it. But on some time, yes, we've got to do things. There's times you just say, would you just sit down with me? Because that is the heart of God. So I didn't create you to fold clothes for me. or we got to realize I wasn't created to serve. I was created to walk with him. And out of that, you will do some things. But he walked with God. The Bible said Enoch walked with God and all of a sudden he was no more. Let me tell you what happened. It's not in the Bible, Jeff, trust me. Yeah. They were walking one day and they had so much fun walking and talking and they, got, they just weren't paying no attention and it got late and it was getting dark and God just said to Enoch, we're closer to my house tomorrow with yours, just come on home with me. I think that's exactly what happened. It's such the craziest thing in the world to talk about just like you're walking with a friend or something. Somebody should write a song called, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Let me tell you what you all started doing. I started doing this years ago. Now, the first years of my life were spent trying to do right because I was out of a certain camp. And then as a young pastor, my idea was to build the church. Got to build the church, build the church. Then you wish you hadn't because then you had to manage the thing. Won't you just go out someday and find you some wood somewhere? Come borrow mine if you need them. Go out in the woods somewhere and just walk and don't ask for nothing. Just I just came out here to walk with you today. I just came out here to tell you I love you and to thank you for all the things you've done for me. And I'm just going to walk out here and enjoy you and enjoy this and just walk with God and, and learn how to do that. You've got to pay attention to Him, number two. Number three, you've got to learn what He likes. Obviously, you've got to learn what He likes. Do y'all remember the movie Rocky? Rocky 1 remember when Rocky fell in love with Adrian and he decided he wanted to go out with her? He didn't know what to do with her. <laughs> do you remember that goofball? Though? I don't know if you remember it or not. This, this is back in the 1930s, I think. you remember it or not. So his manager says, well, he said, I understand people like that like to go somewhere. And so he found out she liked to go, does anybody remember? Ice skating. So he went and rented the ice skating rink just for her. And he ran along beside her on ice while she skated. You know what he was, tell me what he was doing. He was doing whatever she liked to try to get a relationship. Are you with me here? I tell you, I first met my wife. I said, "Well, let's do something." What do you like to do? She said, "I'm going running." I said, "Oh, oh, you run. This better be worth it." So we met running that afternoon. I quit smoking and started running in the same five minutes. <laughs> Guess why? She likes running. You say you have given up a lot to be around that woman. Yeah, no cigarettes. I still don't run no more. No dating. Listen to me, listen to me. Listen to me. If it wasn't worth it, I wouldn't have done it. Knowing Jesus is worth it. There's no higher human experience than to know him personally. So here's the deal. You got to find out what he likes. All right, if y'all won't tell nobody, I'm going to tell you what he likes. He likes music. He loves worship. And I don't mean just music worship. You can say it too. Uh, question, why is the song book the biggest book in the Bible? It's right in the middle of the Bible. I'm telling you, he loves worship. Matter of fact, let me tell you what the Bible said. If you're going to come see me, enter my gates with thanksgiving and my courts with praise. Come before my presence. Come see me. Come. There was, there's a difference between I believe in him and I feel him. His presence means you can, you can experience him. You can touch him. Well, he he just like he just likes music. I've met folks who just love music; that's their thing. And if you're gonna go with him, they got to go. I've known folks that love the opera. God bless you. <laughs> we, we'll go to Grand Ole, but we ain't going to that bunch of skinny men put on leotards and jump around. We ain't doing that mess. But you got to. People can't have a relationship unless they enjoy the same thing. I'm gonna be honest with you. He really don't like theological discussions. I'm sorry. He told me he didn't. He read the Bible. He likes worship. So we gotta to learn to worship him if we're gonna do that. That's how you come before his presence, worshiping him. Matter of fact, let me just, I'm gonna show you this. You're looking at me funny. Turn me to Ephesians 5. When you look at, look at me funny, I just think, man. Ephesians 5, I want you to see something. You gotta learn, Ephesians 5 17 says this, do not be unwise. Could we use that today? Find out what the will of God is. Find out what He wants, what He wants to do. Verse 18, do not be drunk with wine, which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. What does that fill with the Spirit mean? Let God draw close to you. Let Him touch you. Notice there's a comma there, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns, spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father. What did the Bible tell me right there? You want to draw close to God, you be grateful to him and sing in his presence. And that's how you get close to him. That's how you draw close to him. There is is an avenue to the presence of God and it's called worship. And you can sing it, you can say it or whatever. You can put music on. If you know it, you can sing it yourself. James chapter four, verse eight says this. If you've ever heard this before, draw close to God, he will draw close to you. And this this is a day by day, moment by moment thing. He really likes worship. Now, let me give you number four. Let me tell you how, if you want to walk with Him, <clears throat> you got to learn, you got to start listening to Him. How many of you know you can't hear God because His is a still, small voice? You have to be still and know that I'm Him. You've got to listen to Him, but to listen to Him, you've got to turn the radio off. To listen to Him, you've got to turn the radio off. And you've got to turn the TV off, and you've got to turn the head racket off, and you've got to listen to Him. Now, You don't need a cell phone to listen to God. Somebody tell me what you would need to listen to God. Take a wild guess. I don't study the Bible. I don't need to anymore. I know it that well. I read something today. I've read 160 times and I enjoyed every word of it. I open this word and say, and speak to me. And let his word speak to your heart. And it'll do it. He'll speak to you through his word and encourage you, build you up. And uh, we've got to learn to listen to him in his word. And then you'll learn to listen to him in his spirit. But let me say something. These crazy days we live in, word first. Put the word first. These prophets and these people telling me they've heard God today and it's contrary to his word. I'm not being unkind. You didn't hear him. He don't speak contrary to his word. I just had to throw that in there. You know, if my wife calls me up and I hear this voice, I say, oh, it's Katie. And this voice says, I hate you. I promise you, I ain't going to get upset. I know her voice. I need her. Number one, she don't sound like that. Number two, she don't talk like that. Might be days. She don't talk like that. We need to, God's people, we're living in such deceptive days. We have got to learn to know his voice so that we don't get led astray by the junk going on. Let me give you one more. Guess what people who love each other do? They talk to each other. They talk to each other. What is the heart of any relationship? Somebody say it communication heart of a marriage is communication heart of every friendship is communication that's what friends do let me let me tell the difference i remember there's a difference between men and women god is a man are you with me contrary to what that guy said god is a man all right here's how men communicate you ever notice how men communicate they go bass fishing together they're sitting on the boat they out there for eight hours six or eight hours Here's, their in fire. Here's, the, here's, how they, here's how they communicate. You ready? What you using? Worms. That's it. That's a whole day's worth right there. You go home. She says, well, how, how'd it go fishing with Bob? Baby, we really bonded. I mean, we're just, we're like this. But you did have to talk. Now let's shift gears. Two women go out to eat or go to a coffee shop. You better stand back. Son, hands are flying, heads are bobbing, everybody, I feel, I feel, I feel, I feel, it's on. I mean, it is on, buddy. Don't you dare. You need a bookmark to get a word in. <laughs> a little exaggeration there. Here, here's the deal. Listen to me carefully. Listen to me. You, if you can't communicate, you can't have a relationship. Then one's talk to God. I, don't act religious and say, would that thou would. Katie and I in church one day and a preacher started out. I said, you think he talks to his wife in the bed like that at night? <laughs> He's not British. I'm sorry. Listen to what the Bible says. Pour your heart out to him. Knock the religious stuff off. Quit trying to impress him. Quit trying to sound like you know what you're talking about. Quit glamorizing it. Pour your heart out. Do like King David said. He said, I could kill my enemies and smash their children on a rock right now. He's having a bad day, wasn't he? I've never said that before, but I've felt it. You can open your heart to him. Long as in the end you say, nevertheless, not my will but yours be done. There's nothing that thrills me more than for my children to come and talk to me at heart level. You know, we, we have superficial talk. Can you pick me up? I mean, they're going, could you pick me up? Could you do this? But I love for them to come and say, I've got a problem. Could you help me? That endears a father's heart. You, you can learn to talk to him like that. And we need to learn to talk to him like that. Let me, let me say that. Let's do one more thing. When Katie and I first began to know each other, and I was wanting a relationship with her, and uh, it was a little awkward to start with. You don't understand that? Because I was trying to impress her, and I knew there's a lot riding on this. You screw up here, you're in trouble. You yeah, have to start smoking again. <laughs> I don't want to do that. And so you're, you're a little awkward, but let me tell you something. Through the years, we have learned how to communicate with each other. I mean, she can speak volumes Bishop, by looking at me. <laughs> she just gave me one look, and there's, there's nine pages in it. <laughs> we grew in that relationship. We've learned how to communicate with each other. I, I, we've just learned each other. Dear ones, the Bible said, grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus. It's a little awkward when you think about talking to God. Where's he at? I'm serious. This is a little awkward. But then listen, press in and get to know you were created to enjoy him. And that's what you're going to do for all of eternity. What do you think heaven is? Streets of gold, gates of pearl. I don't impress me a bit. I like logs. The deal is it is Jesus. And it's what we were created for. The greatest mystery in the world is that the creator of this universe wants me to go eat lunch with him. Show you one more verse. We're done. Turn for me to Revelation 3:20. Any time we turn to Revelation, I tell you this is where we get a. This is where God shows us something that you don't know. Revelation means to show you something you can't find anywhere else. That's why the last book in the Bible is called Revelation. Revelation chapter three. Uh, Revelation is the book that shows us uh, from the day Jesus went back to heaven until the absolute end of the age. It's wild. But uh, there's a passage in the book of Revelation, chapters 2 and 3, where he writes letters to his people. And by reading those seven letters, you see that he's relating different to different people. And, of course, Revelation 3 is the church to Laodicea. It is the church of our day. You know, chronologically, it's the church of our day. And uh, he says, you know, we said, "We're, we're struggling. You're struggling a little bit. But he said this to him, I love you. I love you. And I want you to come to me. But I want you to watch at what he said to them. In Revelation 3.20, perhaps you've heard this word. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door. You ever heard that before? My yeah, grandma had a picture over her mantle of a Jesus standing at the door, knocking on your heart's door, and this verse was under it. This is not a verse to lost people to come to Jesus. This is written to the church. What's the picture? Jesus, not in the church. Jesus is not in my life? Now listen, how many of you understand you can be saved and not be in fellowship? King David was always a child of God. There was a period where he said, You have departed from me. You're not talking to me anymore. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Let the bones you broke and rejoice. Let me hear you once again. And you, you've been through this. Revelation 3.20 says this, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and give him a list of things to do. <laughs> is that not the God we've created in our churches? You tell me what that verse... This is, this is the revelation of Jesus Christ right here. Jesus is trying to get in your life. He don't barge in. He's asking to come in. And if you were to let Jesus come into your life, what would the What would it say? If any man will open the door, I will come in. And what? Old King James says sup. New King James says dine. Uh, I think NES says fellowship. We will enjoy one another. We'll we'll go out to eat together. Once in a while, I'll call a friend. I don't have a lot to call a friend and say, let's go out to eat together. I could pay for my own. I'm not trying to get dinner free from somebody. I usually end up paying. I could pay for my own. And I don't need anything from them. Guess why we go out to eat? We go for one reason, to dine with one another or to fellowship. By the way, see that word dine right there, koinonia. Same word if there's any fellowship of the Spirit. Think about this, and let me just throw this in here for Revelation 3.20. What if you found out Jesus was sitting in a coffee shop in town tomorrow? Guess what I'd do? I'd get up and go there. I'd try to get to the table. If I couldn't get at his table, I'd sit at one across the room and just watch him. What did Luke 15 say? All the sinners drew near to Him to dine with Him and enjoy Him. Here's the revelation. God wants to come in your life. But it's not to make you religious and miserable, which makes me miserable if you get like that. Why does God want to come into your life? I stand at the door and knock. If you'll let me, I open the door, I'll come in and we will. We'll dine together. We'll enjoy each other. You know what tragic would be? This is the greatest mystery of the universe, that the creator of this universe is interested in dining with me. And just walking and talking with me. Here's the greatest tragedy. Here's the worst thing can happen to a human being on the earth. Not find out what you're created to do. Live your entire life, not find out what you're created to do. You know what's even worse than that? To be a Christian and never find out what he really wanted. I'll quit by telling you a story. Peter Lord wrote the great book, Hearing God. If you never got Hearing God, get it. It's the manual on how to talk to God and listen to him. It's just wonderful. Hearing God and he, he said the whole thing boils down to this. Here's a man who gets he comes to God he gets saved he accepts God as his Savior and he said he turns around to the God's other employer employees and says what do I do now? You know you begin to you decide I'm gonna follow Jesus I'm gonna get saved you remember so so what do I do now? And we call that discipling. Somebody asked me a while back who discipled you? I said thank God nobody. <laughs> Jesus said follow me listen. The Holy Spirit of God will disciple you. I'm not against discipling. Go ahead and send me an email. I don't watch them anymore anyway. Here's the deal. He said, so this guy gets saved and he turns around and they say, well, what do I do? How do I follow God? I'm a new new follower of God. What do I do? And the the preacher says, well, son, let me tell you something about God. He likes apple pies more than he likes anything on this earth. And if you're going to follow God, you're going to have to be a master apple pie maker. Matter of fact, it'd help if you'd grow your own apples. If not, you're going to have to find the best apples. You're going to have to perfect the crust. And you spend your life making apple pies, and that will please God. Is this stupid or what? So he gets saved. He starts following Jesus, and he goes to the apple pie church. And they teach him, God just wants you to make apple pies. And so he he he, he grows his own apples like I do. And he, he learns, and he makes all these apple pies, doing it just serving the Lord, serving the Lord, apple pie Lord, serving the Lord. Mind you, Martha. And he dies one day, bam, having served the Lord all his life, apple pie boy. And he stands before God and God smiles and says, what? I don't even like apple pies. (laughs) But come on in, a deal's a deal. (laughs) You did trust my son. Son, what was you doing down there? "Well, Well, the preacher, he said, son, I sent you a book. You could have learned from the book. And uh, you'll find out that, uh, by the way, apple pies is not his thing. He's not against them. Let's just, don't do that. People get saved. They go to church and they tell him, quit cussing, quit smoking, quit chewing, quit burping, quit smiling, quit, you know, come down here and listen to us beat you up regular. <laughs> hey, if that's what he wants, I'll do it. You're going to get to heaven and go, bless your dear heart. Do not miss why he created you. He created you and He saved you to be your friend and get to know you personally and for you to enjoy Him. Father, I want to praise You and thank You so much. I I pray to move this thing called whatever it is back to the relationship. Your Word is so clear. Come unto me. And You've invited us to walk with You and talk. You. There is no joy like hearing Your voice. There's no joy like getting caught up in the Holy Spirit and just enjoying the sweetness of God. And I thank you and praise you. Lord Jesus, when you walked on the earth, you, you walked off from the crowds all the time just to enjoy the Father. And by example, you taught us that. And I praise you and thank you that you are the friend of sinners. I thank you, that, uh, I thank you today that this man receives sinners and eats with them. And I praise you for the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. There, there's nothing like it. It's just the pinnacle of the human experience. Father, all the stuff that people get so excited about Looks like fool's go beside hearing your voice. So I pray for every person in this room. Some of them just starting to work, walk. Some of them, you know, just, we, if, we, if we're here on a Wednesday night, we must love you. Father, I, I want people to have the greatest relationships, the greatest marriages, and the greatest fellowship with the living God. Put in our hearts to do that. And thank you so much that you're drawing us to yourself. Thank you for the promise that if you'll draw close to me, I'll draw close to you. I want people to know that since we're going to spend all of eternity doing it, we look so forward to seeing you face to face. But I thank and praise you that we don't have to get to heaven to meet you and love you and walk with you. I trust you for that. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen.